0: I'd ask you to turn in your Bibles this morning, not to Romans chapter two. Uh, my bad. I meant to change the text and didn't do it. Uh, but open instead to Matthew chapter six. Matthew chapter six. We'll be looking at Jesus teaching us how to pray in response to the desire of his disciples to be taught how to pray. And. In my 30 plus years of ministry, I can't recall one person who, when asked, how is your prayer life, said, it's just fine. Uh, Everybody I have spoken to uh, said, at least it could use improvement. So we're all in the process, as disciples, learning how to pray. And therefore, we should hear and heed what uh, we learn today. Now, if you're in Matthew chapter six, keep your finger there. You might want to turn in your catechism. It's in the back of the psalter hymnal, on page 894. We've been going through the Heidelberg Catechism, which is, follows the outline of the Book of Romans. If you're not familiar with it, guilt, grace, gratitude—the three main sections of the Book of Romans. The three things one needs to know uh, in order to live and die in the joy of the only comfort. Uh, which is spoken of in question and answer one. That I am not my own, but belong body and soul and life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who has fully paid for all my sins and set me free from the tyranny of the devil. And it goes on at some length, I won't repeat at all. The three things necessary is that you must know how great your sin and misery is. And I certainly hope that everyone here knows how great your sin and misery is as a descendant of Adam and Eve. Second thing that you must know is how you are delivered from sin and misery. And that's why God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish in their sins and be punished for them in the horrors of hell, uh, but might have eternal life by trusting in him and his shed blood and righteousness. And then the third thing that you must know is how you ought to thank God for delivering you from sin and misery. So uh, we're in the third section of the catechism, and as Pastor Dan has informed us in introducing this section, prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness that God requires. And so we all, as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, or would-be disciples, are interested in learning how to pray and how to pray better. So we are up to the first petition of the Lord's Prayer, which is hallowed be thy name. And question 122, uh, if you would answer the question, what does the first petition mean? Everyone who is a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, struggles, as I've already mentioned, with their prayer life. And sometimes we come to periods of spiritual dryness where we don't know how to pray, we don't know what to pray, or perhaps even we wonder whether or not God hears uh, what we pray. And at times like this, it's very helpful to use prayers that have been formulated by others in the past. And one thing that you can do is simply turn to this section of the Heidelberg Catechism, and the answers to the questions are themselves prayers, so that you have ready-made prayers. And you can just pray through the Lord's Prayer, petition by petition, by simply repeating what is found here. And in my experience personally, and as well as pastorally, uh, that is a refreshing and a soul-reviving practice to engage in, so I commend it to you. All right, right. we're looking at, hallowed be your name here. Let's read uh, the scriptures. Pray then like this, verse 9, Matthew 6. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts, As we also have forgiven our debtors. (coughs) Excuse me. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Three points to the sermon this morning on this first petition of the Lord's Prayer. First of all, the petition's priority. The petition's priority. Secondly, the petition's point. What does it mean? What are we being uh, told to do here? And third, the petition's practice. How should we go about uh, praying this first petition? So, the petition's priority, point, and practice. All right? First of all, note the order of the petitions. All right? Hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, at the risk of pointing out what ought to be glaringly obvious, it's that the petitions concerning God come first, and the petitions concerning you and me ourselves come second. It's a very important thing to note, and perhaps because of its apparent obviousness, if that's a word, um, we often overlook it, all right? Uh, prayer always begins with God's priorities, not ours, all right? True worship begins with forgetting yourself and with glorifying God. One author said, the consuming passion of God is not our health and welfare, but his own glory. Not I mean I, but thy, all right? Uh, We don't see this reflected in our culture and in our society today, which is exceedingly narcissistic. That is, it is self-focused. We're taught to love ourselves. Uh, Whitney Houston even had a great song about that. I found the greatest love inside of me. What was it? I love myself, right? The greatest love. Really? All right. Well, anyway, the purpose for which we were created and redeemed is captured well in the first question and answer of the, uh, the Westminster Shorter Catechism, which most of, if not all of us, know, and that is the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever, not to glorify ourselves, all right? And that's to be reflected in prayer, okay? The order of the petitions here, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, express the priorities or what ought to be the priorities of a Christian, all right? Whether you can pray them sincerely is a searching test of the reality and depth of your Christian profession. How much of your prayers reflect this priority? More on that in a moment, all right? And as we seek to learn how to pray, we should be seeking to conform our prayers to how Jesus is teaching us here, right? The Catechism says, help us to truly know you, to honor, glorify, and praise you for all your works and for all that shines forth from them, your almighty power, wisdom, kindness, justice, mercy, and truth, focused on God, right? Our primary duty in prayer is to disregard ourselves and to give God the preeminence in our thoughts, desires, and app- supplications. Look, if you will, at John chapter 12. John chapter 12. It's particularly instructive. John chapter 12, verses 27 and 28. John 12, 27 and 28. Jesus... Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? But for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it and will glorify it again. Jesus, at the imminent moment of his approaching doom and death, prays not to be saved from that, not to be spared, the suffering, the horrors of hell, which he endured on the cross, but instead praise the priorities of God, that is to glorify God in that. praise, that God's name would be glorified. One author, a Dutch author, uh, by the name of Veldkamp, says this, someone was in prison. He did not know what was going to happen. Perhaps something worse awaited him, a concentration camp or death. Then he would not see his dear wife and children again. Can you imagine the state of mind of such a person sitting alone within the four walls of his cell with the only variation, uh, the jingling of the keys of the jailer? Listen, he prays. Merciful Father, thou art so good and powerful. Oh, deliver me from my distress. Speak just one word and it shall happen. But if this prisoner is a child of God who has learned that petition, hallowed be thy name, then he did not leave it at that. He adds to that, if thy name will be glorified more by my imprisonment than by my freedom, then let me stay in this lonely cell where you also are present. And if it be more to your honor that I, because of the witness of your name, must die, give me the grace to remain faithful and to die for you. Lord, you must needs go before. You must always lead, and I must follow. What happens to me is not of that much importance, but what happens to thy name is of greatest importance. I don't know about you, but I often wonder if I was called upon to be a martyr And I believe that suffering for the church is certainly coming. Judgment is racing towards us. Would I be able to suffer and die for Jesus? Or would I wimp out? If you've thought that, God gives grace when you need it. So do not fear. But God gives grace when you need it in order that he might be glorified. And this is an instructive prayer in that regard is that in that hour of need what is the most preeminent concern it's not self-preservation it's god's glorification that should prevail so the petition's priority what's the meaning well the catechism elaborates on that It means what we just read. It also means help us to direct all our living, what we think, say, and do, so that your name will never be blasphemed because of us, but always honored and praised. God is perfectly glorious and holy in himself. No creature, no less you or me, can possibly add more glory to God. So when we pray, hallowed be your name, it's not as if we're asking that greater glory Uh, would increase in God, not like that, all right? Rather, you're asking that glory and holiness shall be recognized and properly honored by all creatures. The conversion of the unbelieving world, right? We're asking that everybody would glorify and hallow God's name. That's why I often pray, as you heard me pray, Is that the glory of the Lord would cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. You see this is a theme of the prophets over and over again. That God's name would be known over and over and over again. That the whole world, the word for hallowed here, hagiadzo, is to treat as holy, sacred. Uh, There's a parallel. Look at Ezekiel chapter 38, if you will. Ezekiel 38 Ezekiel 38 and verse 23. So I will show my greatness and my holiness and make myself known in the eyes of many nations. Then they will know that I am the Lord. I can't recall off the top of my head how many times this particular phrase is mentioned throughout the Old Testament, that they all will know that I am the Lord. Ray Vandalon, whom you may or may not know, we went on a tour, Julie and I went on a tour of Israel with him back in 1994, 1994, developed a whole ministry around this phrase, that the world may know that God is God, that the Lord is the Lord, that the world may know the Hebrew here is Yit Kadesh, all right? <clears throat> this verse, Ezekiel 38, verse 28, 3, formed the basis for a number of ancient Jewish prayers that all the world would know that the God of Israel is the God of the whole world, that He alone is God, that He is Lord of all. What we sang this morning, crown Him Lord of all, that all nations, all peoples, all people everywhere, would know that. That the whole world may recognize and sanctify the name of our Father in heaven, a burning, supreme desire, consuming passion, that the whole world may know and may bow before God in adoration, reverence, worship, honor, and thanksgiving. Arthur Pink, whom some of you know, and I know some of you appreciate. Put it this way, if I can find it. There it is. <clears throat> it voices our longing that others may know, adore, and glorify God. He uh, he quotes John Gill. In the use of this petition, we pray that the glory of God may be more and more displayed and advanced in the world in the course of his providence. That his word may run and be glorified in the conversion and sanctification of sinners. That there may be an increase of holiness in all his people. And that all profanation of the name of God that is blasphemy among men may be prevented and removed. Well, in time that remains to us, how ought we to practice this particular concern? Well, a couple of particular points of application. First of all, in life. In life. If you'll open to Romans chapter 2 now, the passage which is in the bulletin. Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2 verse 17. For if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and, boast in, and know, boast in God and know his will and approve what is excellent because you are instructed from the law, and if you're sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, then you who teach others, do you teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law dishonor God by breaking the law and then quoting Ezekiel, for as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. How is God's name to be hallowed by you and me? Just as the catechism said, in all of life, in all of life, by what we think, by what we say, by what we do, how we conduct ourselves, how you behave in the world Monday to Saturday, not just behave in the church, right? how you conduct yourself, how you behave out in the world, how people see you. God's name can be blasphemed because of how we live. I don't know if you've ever had it happen to you. I've certainly had it happen to me. Particular kind of behavior, particular form of conduct, or perhaps a particular speech. A non-believer says, And you call yourself a Christian? God's name has been blasphemed because of me. Help us to direct all our living, what we think, say, and do, so that your name will never be blasphemed because of us, but always honored and praised. You see, that's what was going on. That's why Paul is indicting the Jewish people here in Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 1, he indicts the Gentiles, right? They suppress uh, the knowledge of God in wickedness and unrighteousness, and he talks about God giving them over. But then he comes to God's own covenant people, and they're not spared. They're not guiltless. They're not above reproach. Yeah, they have the law. Yeah, they boast of this, but they don't follow it. And God says, no, my name is blasphemed by my own people because of their disregard, unbelief, and disobedience. If you and I are to pray sincerely the first petition of the Lord's Prayer, then we must live consistent with it. If we're gonna reform our prayers, what aspects of your life do you need to work on to be a better representative for Jesus Christ. More specifically, how are you to pray this way, as the Catechism says? Help us to truly know you, honor, glorify, praise you for all your works, for all that shines forth from them, your almighty power, wisdom, kindness, justice, mercy, and truth. Richard Pratt I don't know if you know him. He was, I'm not sure that he still is, he was a professor of Old Testament. He wrote a very helpful book on prayer, which I would commend to you. It's called Pray With Your Eyes Open. Pray With Your Eyes Open. And the point of that title is that we're to pray with the primary focus of our prayers on God, on God. And it's particularly instructive In that book he says this, focusing in prayer on God is in sharp contrast to many of our prayers. Instead of centering on God, most Christians only glance occasionally in his direction. Ordinarily our prayers begin with an address, our Father, Lord Jesus, Heavenly Father. We also tend to intersperse his name throughout our prayer, Lord this, Father this, God this. Typically our prayers also close within Jesus' name, amen. Amen. In the majority of cases, however, he says, this is nearly all the attention God receives. In a prayer lasting 10 minutes, we will usually spend less than 60 seconds focusing primarily on God. Apart from a few phrases now and then, we could as easily be wishing on a star as praying to God. This neglect of God, Pratt says, reveals a basic misunderstanding about prayer. We often treat prayer like a spiritual shopping list. We walk into God's general store, give a perfunctory nod in his direction, and then proceed to the real reason we came, the grocery list. We spend the bulk of our time listing one request after another, and God himself takes second place. In fact, this habit of ignoring God suggests that we would prefer to find them absent from the store, so we would not have to bother with him at all. How easy it is to forget that we are dealing with a divine person, not a heavenly mail order catalog. When we focus too much on what we need, We are bound to neglect the one whom we need. Does that describe you? Describes me. Describes me. A helpful, reformative, corrective for your prayer and mine. Hallowed be thy name as first priority. Before we get to the laundry list. Begin your prayers with God's attributes. What does the catechism say? His almighty power, his wisdom, his kindness, his justice, his mercy, his truth. Meditate on God's names. Meditate on his character as God is revealed in his names. Gregory of Nyssa, an old church father, said this, and I quote, May I become through thy help blameless, just, and holy. May I abstain from every evil, speak the truth, and do justly. May I walk in the straight path shining with temperance, adorned with incorruption, beautiful through wisdom and prudence. May I meditate on the things that are above and despise what is earthly. For a man can glorify God in no other way save by his virtue, which bears witness that the divine power is the cause of his goodness. What two, just in conclusion this morning, in an attempt to have the rubber hit the road here, the reality of our prayer life, your prayer life, my prayer life, what two or three good habits can you develop that will help you bring glory to God's name daily in all that you do? Now, when I counsel people, I like to give people homework. I don't often do that from the pulpit, but here's a homework assignment, all right? Let's put this into practice. All right? Let's reform our prayers. What two or three good habits can you develop that will help you bring glory to God's name daily in all that you do? How can you, how ought you to reform your prayers to reflect the reality of what Jesus teaches us regarding prayer's priority? Let's pray. Lord God and Heavenly Father, you are infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in your power, your wisdom, your mercy, your goodness, your truth, and your love. You are God. And we thank you that you are our God. We thank you for all that you are, In yourself. We are thankful that you have revealed yourself to us in your word that we might know you, that we might love you, that we might serve you. Help us to pray. Help us to pray these priorities. Help us, for we need your divine assistance, your grace and your spirit to work in us and through us in order that in our prayers and in our lives, your name might be sanctified and glorified. With Jesus, we pray, glorify your name, amen and amen.